0: Hey guys, welcome to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. Today I have a very important conversation with my friend Stacy Atherton to, to share with you. And Stacy is a mom of seven and a domestic and sexual abuse survivor. I do want to let you know that the content of this episode is absolutely not safe for kids or any young ears. And if you are um, triggered or a sec- sexual abuse survivor yourself, you may want to just skip this episode um, I, it, it's so important to discuss, but I realize that, uh, based on people's experiences, it may be more harmful for you personally to have to listen to an episode like this. So, um, obviously you d- use discernment with that. But the reason I wanted to, uh, share Stacey's story was because what it reveals is just how dangerous porn really is to a marriage and, uh, to an individual's, uh, mental health and how the impacts that it has on the individual and the family are far-reaching and devastating. I think that as we live in a more and more highly and hyper-sexualized culture, uh, the reality of knowing porn exists, knowing that a lot of people watch porn on a regular basis, can perhaps cause people to start to maybe become desensitized and go you know is it really that bad what's the big deal if it's not harming anyone and stacy's story is is the the why <laughs> the why i want i want you to hear of uh just why it is it is absolutely uh devastating and critical that we prevent all of our loved ones from getting entangled in this snare and this trap and, um, and especially protect our children from, uh, from its effects. So that's why I want to share this story with you. And Stacey has a lot of firsthand experience in dealing with this topic, um, obviously, and then advocating for um, protecting children and against human trafficking and things like that. So she is, Certainly an expert, but uh, just wanted to kind of give that preface ahead of time so you are not caught off guard or um, feel like you had the wool pulled over your eyes. Uh, That is what this episode is. It is her story. um, And so just be aware of that. But she also shares about, uh, you know, how we need to rise up as the church and as Christians against this darkness and this evil. So, um, I, you will leave feeling uplifted and hopeful that ultimately God is faithful and victorious and, um, and that we as the church are called to, you know, fight for those who are, uh, being led away to death and who are being carried off by any kind of evil or wickedness or darkness. And so, um. We, but we can't do that unless we know that that's actually happening and unless we understand how people are getting carried away. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Stacy Atherton. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. So I would love for you to
0: tell listeners who you are and what you do before we get into our conversation.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm Stacy Atherton, single mom with seven awesome kiddos and... Um, God has just used my story to uh, equip and educate parents to help prevent their kids from being abused or um, becoming perpetrators themselves. You know, the the world of porn is not anything I ever wanted to know about much less tell the world about. And, mm-hmm. and that's become my calling. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
0: yeah. So seven kids, what are the age ranges?
1: Yeah. And I homeschool them, which is a gift. Um, six, seven, well, six, six through senior in high school. (laughs) Wow. And you homeschool, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is impressive. I mean, (laughs) that is truly impressive. I do not, I would love to be a fly on the wall and see how you do that.
1: (laughs) It's, it's such a blessing. I'll tell you, it's, it's a little bit easier to homeschool all of them than it was to get seven kids out of the door by 7.00 AM. So
0: (laughs) I actually, you know what? That's a great point I had not thought of. So I love that. (laughs) I think that's, that's hilarious. So um, I was just saying, I know a little bit of your story. I can't remember how I came across you on Instagram, whether I found you or you found me, I don't know, but uh, I, I'm very interested to hear, um, you know, kind of the, you tell your story in full. And um, I, I know that what you have gone through is something that is going to benefit and bless so many women who are listening who either are in similar situations that they are maybe either aware of or not aware of um or who are going to have friends that are in uh, a situation like yours so um thank you for your bravery and your boldness and in speaking the truth and, and telling your story with for people to
1: kind of learn and
0: and ultimately to bring glory to god
1: yeah yeah god doesn't waste anything and that's been my prayer is like We went through this, and when I first left, I could not stop asking the question, "Why and how?" And like prayerfully, like God, give me the wisdom because no one—I could never see anyone as being safe and understood what I did wrong, how I trusted Mm -hmm. the wrong person, and also I wanted to equip my kids to know who, you know, how to have that discernment. Like I. Mm felt like I was just hit by a freight truck, like what happened and how in the world could that have happened? And like, I really was seeking God. I really was trying to walk in his will in my life and my marriage and, you know, my family. And Mm -hmm. so it was, it was just, there were so many questions and, and the research that I did, it led me to uncover, I mean, yes, there's mental health issues and, and a lot of different factors in my own boundaries, which also we need to learn from when our kids need to know about, but like understanding the connection to the porn mm. that totally skewed the, you know, my husband's mind and and how that damaged, damaged his brain and made him the perpetrator that he was like that, that's something that's not exclusive to my case. So like, how could I stay quiet? Right. That's going right. to save someone else's kid. So For sure. So if God can, and God doesn't waste, right? If he can use this, then who am I to stay quiet? That's how I feel.
0: I want to interrupt this episode to let you know about the first sponsor of today's episode. And that is my business, H. Williams Creative. I do WordPress web design, graphic design, and uh, branding for businesses of all shapes and sizes. So I love working the most with female entrepreneurs who have you know, a style and an aesthetic and know what looks good and know what they like, but maybe just need help executing it and bringing it to life, whether that be on their website or in their logo and branding. So whether your WordPress website needs a refresh or you need a whole new brand, whatever you need, I can help you. Uh, check out my website and my portfolio at hwilliamscreative.com or email me, Haley at hwilliamscreative.com to chat about your project today.
1: So I can give a little tidbit. There are so many nuggets of, um, things that we, as parents can learn, mm-hmm. um, starting in my childhood all the way through, um, my, when I got saved. And so I'll just try to like, kind of briefly overview. Yeah. The, okay. So, so I actually had, I had pretty decent parents. I'm, I'm a first generation Christian. I got saved when I was about 14 and a half.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And So there were, I was taught, I was taught safe touch and all of that. But when it actually came to practical application, the society was very sexualized, right? It was, we're like totally in a pornified society and even more so now than back then. Um, so when it came to things like my grandmother's boyfriend trying to force a kiss on me and he was drunk and Mm -hmm. I'm six years old and pushing him off and he's not stopping. So finally I scratch in thinking I'll be heroic. And instead of, instead of my mom being proud of me, proud of me, I was, you know, yanked into the bathroom. My nails were cut short. I was forced to apologize to this guy who later, but my sister on the nose so bad it's crooked to this day. So like, you know, so, so I think, the lesson I've taken into my own parenting with that is like, I will always back my kids up if they are defending themselves. Right. My first did go to kindergarten and um, there was a little boy that was choking her. Like they were playing tag or something. And he just took it too far. It was choking her. She couldn't scream for help. So she bit him. She could turn her hand and bit him. She got in trouble. She was sent to the principal's office. So like, as a mom, I'm like, no, this is mm-hmm. a young impressionable child. Who's defending herself. She was in right. the right. And the teacher needed to apologize to her. You know what I mean? This is something that we applaud. We encourage our kids to protect and defend themselves and, and trust their judgment. Like we need to back up our kids. If something doesn't feel right, we want to be the safe place that that they land. We want them to feel our trust. Mm -hmm. And so, so there were several instances like that. Um, fast forward, you know, my, my mom's boyfriend was very unhealthy. Um, and I was, it was very much a a make love, not war kind of upbringing, you know? So Mm -hmm. if I was speaking about someone who was being sexually inappropriate, I was, I was to blame for causing the drama and the problems. And, um, my mom just was very happy go lucky and just wanted things to feel good and have fun. And she has her own trauma for sure. So like, that's her story to tell. Um, and she's learned right along the way with me, like we're very close. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so um, so, anyways, just the boundaries with kids. Like, it starts with like listening to our child. You know, yeah. if a baby is crying, that's their only form of communication. Like, what are they saying to you? You know, yeah. and if you, oh, that's okay, just be there for them. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then. And then boundaries, like there are things that people think are funny. It is not funny for your child to moon somebody. It is not appropriate for a grandpa or yourself or anybody else to pat your kid on the bottom. Like, that's just that. Think of it like this. Anything that we do to our kids or we allow done when they're two years old, would we be okay with it when they're 13 and like a kid at school does it or a teacher does it? You know, because the foundation that we lay early on is going to matter. Mm -hmm. a lot. So, so anyways, by the time I was 17 and, um, so I was saved at 14 and a half or 15 and, um, just on fire for the Lord. Right. Like my whole worldview was formed around diving into God's word, but there wasn't Google. There wasn't a lot of like apologetics, but I sought his wisdom and, um, whatever books I could get my hands on, but mostly it was scripture. You know, that was really just my whole worldview was formed from scripture. And so like, I knew lust was wrong and I knew porn was wrong. And I remember asking like my youth pastor to kind of elaborate a little bit because it was just sort of like a, I don't know, such a normal part of, of the nineties and early two thousands. It was just like, you know, my dad had a big Playboy poster on his bedroom wall, and it was supposed to be funny. And my mom was like, Guys are gonna like lust, and masturbation is normal. And I was like, Okay, well, being aroused is normal. Like, yeah, we all are created. Like, God needs sex to be a good thing and a healthy thing. Right. But like, when I really look at his word, I'm like, Practicing that self control is imperative for right. life. If you can't control, your arousal when you're a teenager, like, when are you going to practice that when you're married? Right. Because you're just being unfaithful, you know? So, so it's, it's, you don't, we don't want to shame our kids. Like God created sex and he created our bodies to be the way that they are. So it's not a shameful thing. It's, it's, um, but there does have to be this, this self-control practice rather. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if that makes sense, like married to being a soft place to land and, and learning to understand our bodies and not being ashamed. But, um, but yeah, but walking, walking with the strength of the Lord. And so, um, and, and I do believe that abstinence is absolutely possible. Um, I was totally raised being told that it was like so unreasonable. Um, you know, my oldest is, is 19 and has chosen not to kiss a boy. Like she's saving that for her wedding. And, Um, and I, it's absolutely possible. You can have that self-control, you know, (laughs) and still be healthy and not have shame around sex. And, um, so, um, when I met my husband, he was a family friend and, um, so we went on this group ski trip, um, with a couple families. His cousin was his female cousin was my age. And so all the teenagers were camping out in the living room and of the cabin, he was not a teenager, but he decided to join us. Um, and in the middle of the night, he sexually assaulted me in my sleep. I was totally asleep, and I was like, I was, I was so not okay. And it was before cell phones, and I was like, I don't even know where the house phone is. Like, what do I do? I wrote up with his family. Do I wake up his aunt? Like, I didn't know. I didn't know how to handle that, so I just I kind of like you know, I got away and then I, I like laid there awake and couldn't wait for the sun to get up. And then I was trying to figure it out. And he, he played it off. Like he was asleep and, you know, talked to me the next day, like what's wrong. And I'm like, as if you don't know. And he actually convinced me that he was dreaming. And so he like slept walked and assaulted me in his sleep. Mm. And, and I, Fell for it, I think, partly because, you know, growing up, that was, I was preconditioned by the environment to give the benefit of the doubt, especially being a family friend. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, kids, including teenagers, when someone is familiar, they don't think of them as a perpetrator or a stranger. That includes the neighbor's painter or the pool man or the gardener. Like, they see them regularly. So they just don't think of them as a perpetrator. So, so I felt like I would be evil and not evil.
0: Like you didn't want to sell them out or, or you wanted to believe the best. Yeah. I
1: did. I felt like I would be causing drama and somehow that's your fault. Right. Right. Exactly. So I, so I, I not only stay quiet when I married him. (laughs) So, um, but at the same time, like the love bombing just started in such a massive way, you know, it was almost like a distraction. So you can't, don't remember what I did. And, um, you know, time and, and attention and flowers, my house looked like a floral department. It was absolutely crazy. And, um, and we had fun together, but the, the pressure and the coercion, the sexual pressure and coercion was unbelievable. Um, and I, and I really had wanted to wait till I was married and it was, um, he saw everything through a sexual lens and I didn't, I didn't know to, um, I didn't know that that was a sign of a problem, you know, like we mm. literally could be in line at an amusement park without him, like turning the pole into a sexual joke or mm. you know, absolutely. Everything like we would be walking through the grocery store, linked arms, and that's what like everybody did that back then. It wasn't even a romantic thing, you know. You just like link your arm like this, and and then he would have this dumb grin on his face. And finally, I realized that like he was rubbing his elbow on my breast, but I had a padded bra, so I didn't even feel it, you know. So I was like, "What?" And it was just everything was a sexual lens. Wow. Um, and so. So, you know, outside the bedroom, we had fun and I felt like he wanted to be with me, which was something that I, you know, I didn't really get that from my dad. Yeah. Um, so, um, my dad's a good guy, you know, he, he did his, he definitely did his best, but I did not feel like he wanted to be around yeah. me. I just heard by him. And then here, this guy is like hanging on my ever, every word, little did I, know, you know, to manipulate me. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. um, not actually caring, um, so and that was so, that was kind of your before you got married. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, we got married pretty quick. And then um, and it was okay. Um there was sexual abuse early on, but I would never have known to call it that. I had never been with anybody else. I didn't talk to anybody about sex life except for him. And um, mm. you know, and then fast fast forward 13 ish years later, 13, 14 years later and six kids, probably almost 14 years later, um, six kids. And I, I was, I mean, he had moved us around and all of that, but I was, I was physically ill. Like I was literally stuck in the bed and he would lock the door and like demand that I rest and keep the kids locked outside of the bedroom. No matter how many times I pled with him, like just, if I'm going to die, just let the kids Come and do puzzles with me or I just I want all the time possible with them and um he would they they were abused trying to get to me and he would come in and I mean he was having sex with me so many times day and night that it hurt to walk I I was my stomach was was an absolute mess like I I was about 87 pounds and I couldn't stop losing weight um and I would faint all the time. My hair was falling out. Like I had all these crazy symptoms. My mom ended up coming out and getting me to the hospital and um, they admitted me because my lungs were acidotic, which usually is paired with a kidney thing. My kidneys were fine. Um, and they, they basically determined that I was in a constant state of panic, but I was doing it with a smile on my face, you know, so I didn't show panic um, but I was internally hyperventilating all the time. Um, and, and then those doctors. So I left on a Sunday, like the day that I left, I didn't want to leave. I really fundamentally did not believe in leaving my husband. Um, but I also knew that it had gotten so bad. And I had, I had for the first time really adamantly tried to say no to sex. And so I, he had almost killed me, um, before like with rape, but this time it was, it was beyond livid and, and the, the abuse had just progressed so bad. And so, so I had a one hour window where kids and I were getting to go to church. And that was when I got to escape Mm -hmm. Um, church and fell on my face in worship. And, and, um, so I left on a Sunday and then, and I, I did not want to, I remember just singing I surrender all and like, God, I'm surrendering all like my view of what I'm called to be as a Christian wife. I'm his help me. Like, this to leave my husband I don't want to do this but I feel like if I stay I feel like he's calling me out of here and I know if I stay he's probably going to kill me and he's going to think it's an accident and you know and he was viewed as heroic so it wasn't like anybody would suspect him why was he viewed as heroic he was just really good at um you know I was sick and so he was the hero taking care of
0: and how were you sick
1: so so basically the doctors determined that living in long-standing abuse and not okay. knowing how that was why you were sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The stress used. And then there was a, um, specific poison that I guess flushes through your system really quickly. So they did do a talk screen. They said it would explain all of my symptoms also, but they were never able to, to completely prove that, you know? Um, so, but that was suspected that maybe he was giving me something. and um, like at one point I had had a surgery long before that and he would give me the pain medicine so that he could like rate me in my unconscious state. And that kind of, which is, that's learned from porn. I mean, there's literally like porn searches where, um, you know, the woman is, is drugged and unconscious. And that, so that's, that's, as very sexy for somebody that is watching.
0: I want to tell you about our next sponsor and that is brave and courageous co These are the best smelling and safe candles that you have ever smelled. They are made from coconut wax, so they are clean burning and they're hand poured. These are thoughtfully sourced premium fragrance oils, and each scent is paired with a specific scripture to help aid in memorizing God's word. You can shop their website at braveandcourageous.com and join them on Instagram at braveandcourageouscompany. The founder Kelly is giving Kindled listeners 20% off their first order with the code Kindled. These are the perfect gift with Christmas coming up and gift exchanges and teacher appreciation type gifts. All of those things, you can get checked off your list by placing an order at braveandcourageous.com and save 20% off that first order with the code Kindled. Shop at braveandcourageous.com. You have six kids in the span of what how many years
1: well she she was thir- they were 13 years apart almost um,
0: 13 okay so you have six years six, or six kids in 12 and a half years yeah okay in like 12 or 13 years um which is a fast pace to have kids period and uh, <laughs> and and a hard season of life to be in with lots of kids and then what is like, I, I, I'm just struggling to picture like, what is your marriage like outside of outside of the bedroom? You know, cause obviously he's an, he's an abuser and, and you know that now and you recognize all of that, but like, what, what was it like when you were just eating dinner or making, you know what I mean? Like playing with the kids, was there normal times in your marriage, or life where you thought this is fine. We're, we're happy. Like what, what went through your head? What, what did that look like? Or do you feel now that, it's easier for you to see, um, to have clarity on that. Like, tell me what that was like.
1: Yeah, there was, it started out with just being abusive behind closed doors in the bedroom and just to me, not to the kids. And, you know, I, I took the parenting, um, development classes in college and, you know, so it was, um, he would almost I don't know, if praise me is the right word, but really like applaud me and build me up, not just to me, but in, specifically in front of people, in front of my friends and family. So it was kind of like, he made me feel like I was in the driver's seat as far as like, hey, look at what I read in the parenting book, or, you know, this is this is what God's word says on parenting. And then he would like totally work with me on that. In the beginning, he was like a very, um, very fun and involved person, like- I mean, I think with our second kid, I don't think I changed a diaper for like eight days or something. Like he would get up at night, change the baby's diaper, bring me, bring me to nurse. Our third kid, he was just totally different. He was kind of depressed in bed. He, I was sick all night, every night. Um, and he does, he didn't even remember that. Like he was, he was, but, but yeah, no, in front of people, I mean, he kind of, he did have like ups and downs. In other words right so like he was amazing with our first and second then he was horrible with our third then he was really awesome but not as awesome with our fourth but at the same time like when I had my fourth that was when he almost killed me by rape you know what I mean and he was this whole time I did not know that he was being really inappropriate with our kids mm. um in in ways that were beyond what I knew so um but he, I mean, it was fun. Like we took our kids to the beach. We went to Disneyland. Like there were so many, you know, we were, he was involved in church and ministry mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, so no, he absolutely looked like, I mean, people were wishing that their daughter could marry somebody like him and he was mm-hmm. very charismatic and, um, really good at flattering, great sense of humor, also very perverted at times. Um, but no, so he he, would- he could play to the room. He kind of knew his audience. He could uh-huh.
0: sell sell himself as this amazing dad of six, and you know, and being this fun guy out in public. But then in private with you, it sounds like obviously with just you, he was at his worst. And with your kids, he was sort of on this downward slope where
1: mm-hmm.
0: he could keep up the facade with the kids for a while. But then as he continued to plunge himself into this world of sin and darkness and evil, it mm-hmm. started seeping into his parenting and other areas of his life and how he was a father and then how he treated his kids and um, mm-hmm. and just kind of moved out from there.
1: Yeah. And there were, there were little nuggets of like flags that, you know, love overlooks an offense. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there were little nuggets that were bizarre. Like he wanted all of us to call him master. And I mean, like I said, no, like that's weird, but that was with our first child, you know, and, um, he would kind of take scripture and use it Mm. to sort of be that, like that headship, Mm -hmm. which I like, you can be the head, but when you take that to a point where like, you're damaging our kids psychologically, or you're forcing them Push-ups till the nose bleeds, or you're showering with a 12-year-old. But you know what I mean? Like there are like, no, this is not how God is calling you. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Like, no, he does God doesn't condone abuse ever. Mm-hmm. Um so
0: forcing to what tell their nose bleeds?
1: Push-ups. Oh. Yeah. And then push-ups, even while the nose was bleeding. His, he was standing over with a a weapon and his foot was on her back and he was pushing her down and she's crying and her nose is bleeding everywhere. And you know, and I'm on the floor trying to get him to stop trying to comfort her. And it was like, and he was, and then he, you know, and I knew I was going to pay for that because I got in his way. And then, and then I was, you know, put in front of the kids and told that I was like, obviously against God because I was stepping over his leadership and his headship and.
0: Mm, So abusive. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, forcing to what tell their nosebleeds?
1: Push ups. Oh. Yeah. And then push ups, even while the nose was bleeding, he, he was standing over with a, a weapon and his foot was on her back and he was pushing her down and she's crying and her nose is bleeding everywhere. And, you know, and I'm on the floor trying to get him to stop, trying to comfort her. And it was like, and he was, and then he, you know, and I knew I was going to pay for that because I got in his way. And then, and then I was, you know, put in front of the kids and told that I was like, obviously against God because I was stepping over his leadership and his headship and
0: Mm, so abusive. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. Yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, (laughs) so that was going on, um, for the entirety pretty much of your marriage. Um, would you
1: fourth kiddo? So it was really started after the fourth, you said Mm -hmm. it was really slowly progressive. Okay. Um, Like with our first, he was the most playful, amazing Mm -hmm. dad for a season, but he was also grooming her and I didn't know it, Mm -hmm. you know? So. Wow. So
0: then um, when you were married to him and this was going on, would you have, did you identify like the sexual abuse or rape as rape at the time as no. marital rape. No.
1: No. In fact, okay. So I left on a Sunday and four days later, I found out I was pregnant with my seventh. Mm. Um, and I knew that this is how I would describe it. I knew he had sex with me when I was asleep, knowing I was ovulating when I asked him not to get me pregnant again, because of my health was so bad. And it had just kind of started getting a little bit stronger. You know, like I knew he had had his way with me. I might say something like that. Right. But like in marriage, just not true, but his teachings were, you cannot say no to your husband or you are sinning against God. Right. And it's like, okay, I don't want to deprive your spouse, but at the same time, intimacy is a very different. Yeah. It's different. It is a oneness and it's, you know, you think other, it's not just, um, yeah. yeah. So, so and the husband is supposed to be like, you know, using even
0: the, the male headship, which, you know, In the circles I run in, uh, I guess, you know, reformed Christianity, I know that the reformed Christians often get a bad rap for being, um, you know, heavy handed in, you know, male headship or male leadership or patriarchal, whatever. And it's like, but I think that that's a lot of the issue is if we take that concept out of, of the whole council of scripture in the context that the Bible also says that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do? He died. He laid yeah. down his life. He did not assert his authority over her or wield, you know, this abusive, unloving power. Like that's just, it's yes. so twisted and it's so dark and demonic. And it's like, well, of course, if, of course taken out of context and, um used that way of course that's wrong of course that's not biblical like that's you know just hear me say very loudly like that is not <laughs> biblical male headship right. at all
1: you not, I know that, but I love that you said that because that's exactly the verse that I use and like he laid his life down for her like I feel like if yeah. anything true godly headship is more accountable to right. God right. how he loves her and to consider her and value her and treats her it's not it's not so this way but yeah it was definitely taken um right <laughs> taken in. yeah so then so then I um I was this amazing woman who's still my friend to this day she took me and the six kids in and um she had three teenagers of her own that helped and they had a gun range on the property so that was a weird blessing in disguise because my ex-husband did have guns um and they were a threat to us but this somehow made it feel like okay at least there was a way if he came on the property like to protect themselves and like also i never told him where we went but he knew like i told him we there are, there is always someone armed where i'm staying so if you happen to find out where i am you know just know that like the police know we will shoot you weird mm-hmm. so um and this was not california so they were they really were understanding about it um So, yeah, so that was a blessing. And then my friend took me to the doctor to confirm the pregnancy and that doctor, you know, explained to me that him forcing it in my sleep kind of, you know, all that whole against my will that, that is construed as rape. And then she actually offered to write a letter or even testify in court later on down the road. And this was like several months later. And I actually had her go back and rewrite the letter to take the word rape out of it because I could not bring myself to accuse him of that, Mm. you know, because I was so like, I was just trying to make sense of it. I was like, I don't want to accuse him of of rape or child abuse. I put the kids in therapy because I'm like, I'm not going to make that judgment. Like my normal was so not normal. Um, And no one would have known, like we just appeared to be this vibrant, happy couple. And then when I got sick, he appeared to be this like heroic, loving husband. He was taking care of everybody. Really what he was doing was looking at porn all day and making the kids take care of themselves and, you know, keeping me locked in the bedroom and coming and having sex with me 19 times in 24 hour period. And if I couldn't walk, it was literally like a joyful thing for him, Um, which ironically there was a taste of that even on our honeymoon. Like, you know, if I, I was petite when he married me, I was, you know, barely 18. He was 24. I think he was almost 25. And then, um, you know, the pain, like when he would have sex with me too much or, you know, too hard or whatever, it was like when there was was excessive pain. And it was like, it actually hurts to stand. I just need a little bit. It was literally like, he felt this sense of like, I just conquered, like he accomplished something so massive and he was so prideful about it, yeah. which that again is like, that's not, that is not godly love, you no. know, that's a flag right there. And it's supposed to be an expression of your oneness and your, yeah. your consideration for each other. It's not supposed to be satisfy me all the time and do all these things you don't want to do because you are now my property given to me by God for me right. to have pleasure and there and and then there was this like if you don't satisfy me I'm gonna fall into sin you don't want me to be unfaithful do you you know <laughs> and so yeah manipulation yeah but you know what my case is not it's not exclusive it might be more extreme mm-hmm. um, but I've spoken to to numerous Christian women who have no idea that their husband's doing things to them that are absolutely a sign of a porn addiction. And, you know, when we start talking I'm like, okay, well, forcing unnatural sex in your sleep, like forcing anal sex in your sleep, when you're have made it clear, you don't want to do that. That's a sign that your husband is watching porn, you know, and, and then out. And, and so there's a, there's just a lot that, um, There's a lot that we as women can learn from it. A lot that I think the church should be talking about, right? Because this isn't God's heart and it is absolutely happening in our churches. And, Mm. you know, if you go speak about porn to a church, you're going to see so many men look down in shame. And I'm just, you know what? I believe that God is saying, rise up. Like this is not a call to shame. This is a call to action. This is a call to walk in the redemption, redemptive power of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, like realize the market that you're fueling, what you're causing, how you're destroying your marriage and your own brain. Also, that you're watching someone be raped and porn. Mm-hmm. You know, also that you're totally fueling the market for trafficking and egregious things. And stand up, like, walk, like, just turn from this. Yeah. And you don't need to look down and change. Just turn from it and walk in the redemption heart. Right. Repent and I- believe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so. Um,
0: Okay, so um, so you decide to leave. Um, what was the impetus? Like you said, he almost killed you. Was that what from string, strangulation, or I mean, that might more, be kind of graphic, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's kind of graphic. There, there was more than one, more than one time. Um, but it it got worse and worse. And um, let me see if I can say this in a way that's like appropriate. <laughs> Um, so I didn't know he was looking at porn and I, I, I was not educated on porn or what was in it. Mm I think that we as parents need to be because, um, things like this are actually happening to the majority of, of girls on college campuses. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so if a man is like obsessed with a certain act, even oral sex, whatever it is, it's usually a porn addiction. Um, so like I would how can I say this? Like I woke up there were numerous times that I would wake up to him doing things to me sexually that I couldn't breathe, you know? And so there was um and it was usually like yeah, if he was mad at me for trying to stop him from making her daughter cry with a nosebleed or, you know, speaking out of turn or whatever it was or just interrupting him um when he was doing something on the computer that I wasn't supposed to look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah. So there, so there was like, um, I, I woke up to him forcing oral sex and I was dead asleep and I couldn't breathe and his knees were on my shoulders. So I couldn't even use my hands to push him off. And I literally could not breathe. I thought I was going to die. Like I, it was down. I couldn't even like bite, like there was no, I was tossing and turning and it just, um, made him more excited. So, um, and, and unfortunately that's actually something that we're going to see on mainstream porn is like, so I've learned this from Ted talks. Please don't Google porn you guys because you'll find it. Yeah. Um, but they're like fight the new drug is um, there. Mm-hmm. They have amazing resources. There's um, there are a lot of, of really awesome resources that will, and I'm, and I'm working on a website. It's going to be sevenkidsandme.com And I'll, I'll have screenshots of, titles of porn just so you can understand what your, your eight-year-old could find in a few seconds but but basically like the the mainstream porn is um things like two guys forcing anal sex and the girl is crying or um you know, holding her head down during oral sex so far that um, she's got very, very heavy eye makeup on. And then I learned this in a TED talk. (laughs) And um, so the young, young girl, super heavy eye makeup on. So he holds her head down and the penis goes so far down that she's gagging and her eyes are crying. and, And oftentimes she will actually vomit. And yes, she could die from this because she's not able to breathe and she could aspirate the, the vomit. And so this is, you know and the and the this is
0: main and you're saying the important Mm -hmm. thing for people to take away this is mainstream porn now
1: Mm -hmm. it's so demonic and it's something that like we need to rise up against right so like if you are a godly person or even even not a christian like people care about no one wants to fuel this market right so like kids are being trafficked. Kids of all ages are being trafficked and that is being shown in pornography and it's fueled by porn, right? Because people are seeing porn and then they want to try the real thing. I want to tell you about the next sponsor of today's episode. And that is one of my
0: favorite online boutiques. Well, they're online to me because I'm only because I'm not in California, but they have a physical shop too. And that is plum penny boutique. Plum Penny specializes in women's clothing and accessories, and they believe that looking and feeling great should feel effortless. With that in mind, you're going to find carefully curated finds for the everyday gal. From heading to the office to PTA meetings or grabbing coffee with your besties, they have something for you. Shop via their website or, my favorite, watch their weekly live sales on their Facebook business page. Or if you are in California, swing by their store in Bria, California. As a Kindle listener, the owners Sammy and Jess are offering you 20% off your first purchase. Just head to their website plumpennyboutique.com and use the code kindled at checkout. That's plumpennyboutique.com. Use the code kindled for 20% off your first purchase. Mhm. Well, and like you said, like I think there's um there like I'm 33 so I don't know, take that for what you will, but just I'm putting, I'm saying that to kind of put a, a time marker on what I grew up thinking porn was versus what porn is now, you know? And, and I knew like, like you did, you know, I, or I don't know if you said this, but I, I knew of its existence, you know, at some point, at some age. And I, I told you before we started recording that actually, um, I was exposed in high school to porn. And, but I will say what I was exposed to was your very vanilla run-of-the-mill like just having sex it was not anything crazy Mm -hmm. like what you're describing some of this very very um depraved you know like I, i mean that is i guess i'm i'm saying that what it has changed so much and if you don't know then you don't know and if you were exposed 15 or 20 years ago You still might not know because you haven't, if you haven't actually seen what people are putting out there, not that you should, not that you need to go look, but you do need to know that what is out there has changed. And so that is changing when, when we think about, you know, you probably have the statistics in front of you somewhere, how many people are watching porn on how many Americans regularly watch porn? Like it's, it's over 50% of men. Um, It's probably 80% of men, you know? Um, obviously within Christianity, maybe you'd have a little bit lower percentage, but you'd you'd still have a, a decent number of people. Like that is, we know that when you see things, you become desensitized to it. The first time you see, you know, a scary movie, like as a child, it's really scary. And you're, you know, if you're like me, you ask your mom to fast forward the scene where Bambi's uh, mom dies, you know, <laughs> like that terrified me. I was so scared. And then as I got older, I I could handle a little bit more scary. I could handle a little bit more. I could handle a little bit more. It's the exact same concept in porn. Not only can you handle a little bit more, you also need more to get the same high or the same arousal. You need more. I've right. already seen that. It's old news. You need something mm-hmm. a little like one step up, a, a little bit more intense, or a little bit more whatever uh, fringe to yes. achieve the same result. And so. I guess it's just like, wow, I, I, I feel like in some ways, maybe it's our parent, you know, our parents were a little bit asleep because it kind mm-hmm. of happened when we were young, you know, that whole industry kind of started exploding. Right. It was, it was probably there a little bit before I was like, I'm sure the porn industry existed before I was born in 88, but it definitely the, the invention of the internet obviously helped it completely. Yeah proliferate and get into everybody's home. So yeah. like you were saying, it, it wasn't just that you could go to a, a movie store or a triple X video store and buy a, a bad, you know, pornographic film. It's now yeah. literally on your phone at the click of a button yeah.
1: on your and, laptop. Sorry, what you cut out. What just- just- if your child has an iPhone, there's yes. porn, right? Right. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's crazy if you go and you could totally do this you go to a college campus and you speak to a lot most people are having sex on college campuses and the majority of girls having um sex in college have had a man forced an orgasm all over her face because that's porn that's what porn shows as sexy and again that's mainstream this is not like back at the video store it's it's so degrading and, and it's like yeah. people think that this is how we're gonna teach our kids sex ed or that it's like oh maybe he learned something it's like no this is not this is not actual sex. This is no. damaging. Yeah. And then, yeah. And it, and, um, and the way that it works, you're exactly right. So the crazy thing, when someone is consuming porn, they've actually done brain scans and the part of the brain that lights up when they consume porn is the object part of the brain. So when you're sexually aroused by an actor, a person and, or a person, you're literally seeing them the equivalent that you would a rock or a pencil, like you have no problems giving a rock. It means nothing to you. Right. And so, so if, if you then equate that, like training, like wiring the brain, every time you're out, it just becomes an object, a thing to satisfy your simple, you know, desire that woman or, or even man means nothing to you or that child. Yeah. Let's even more like they mean nothing to you. There's, you're totally, totally desensitized to them as a human, you dehumanize them. And then, um, it makes it very easy for rape and abuse to happen. Mm. Um, even otherwise, you know, people that are otherwise like normal people, they get aroused and you're an object to meet their need and they're going to hurt you, yep.
0: you know? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm so glad you guys got out. I'm so glad you <laughs> left. Um, what made you want to leave? What, or, I mean, I, I know what made you want to leave. What made what made you actually leave?
1: That was the grace of God. Mm -hmm. So, so actually there was, I was on the phone with a friend locked in my bedroom and he, he would always eavesdrop. Like my daughter and I couldn't have a private conversation. He would be eavesdropping. And Mm -hmm. so he was eavesdropping on the conversation and I was trying to ask for help and advice. Um, this godly woman, I totally love her. Um, I was trying to ask for help and advice without putting him down, without saying anything I wasn't allowed to, right? So I was only supposed to talk him up. So I was saying things like, "I think he's just so exhausted, right? We have all these little kids, and I'm so mm-hmm. sick." And he um, selfless, I think, is the word that I use. He's so selfless. He's trying to do all of this stuff, and I and he's, he was drinking um which wasn't supposed to be in our marriage at all and he had started like putting it in his coffee um at the beginning of the morning and all the way through the day and hard liquor ironically the drinking actually made the sexual stuff a little bit better so um that also was a sign of like a sex addict you know because <laughs> you sometimes people drink and then they're like weird sexually but in his case he would drink and it was like oh, yeah, we're gonna be okay for 10 minutes you know <laughs> and so um so he was eavesdropping and thought I called himself ish. And I was just like, how do I get him to have a hobby go for a run? I feel like he needs some dopamine and some, something positive in his life. Um, and he thought I called him selfish and he's in my face so loudly just shouting that she thought he was on the other phone and she's trying to hang up. And I'm like, please don't hang up. And I can't tell her it's because if she hangs up, she's going to be there to protect me. Like knowing mm-hmm. that she was on the phone, I felt like gave me a little bit of, of coverage from something worse happening. And so he was so mad and, you know, I was forbidden from seeing anything that made him look bad. If I had a problem, I had to talk to only him about it. And, and then you don't want to talk to me about anything. So that was fun. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, so, so basically that led to like our pastor coming over and, um, I can't even say that he had the best discernment. You know, he was like, "You can't be the Holy Spirit for your husband." I was like, "I don't want to be the Holy Spirit for my husband." Oh my goodness! But I, but I, I, I don't know that he's going to listen to Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to be that for him. And he was talking about you know my lack of trust in men because my husband had already like planted that seed. And I was like, "It's what? really, not, it's really not that." <laughs> and so, oh um, yeah, and so. So then that led to like the, the pastor got us in to see a counselor and it was like pulling teeth, talking to my husband about going. He was like, I was trying to make him feel comfortable. Like there's nothing, whatever you're struggling with, what like, if you've had an affair, whatever it is, like we can go to Lord with it. We can seek wise counsel, whatever has happened. Like, let's just get to the bottom of what is making you so miserable and so mad at us all the time, you know, and, um, and so, and whatever my part is in that, like, that's, that, that was important to me, of course. And so I remember finally, finally, he was like, okay, well, of the two of us, you have the most problems. So you go first and then I'll go. Oh my <laughs> Lord. At least I could talk to somebody. Right. And so, um, I was fine. Like, I don't, I was totally fine with that. That's how we felt. And, um, so the, the counselor reserved 50 minutes and I didn't want to, my, my husband would always say that like, I was misleading or misinterpreting what he said, right? Like I would try to translate something and I would do it wrong and it wasn't his intention or his heart. So I didn't want to have my own filter over like his, his words. So I forwarded two emails to the counselor before our appointment. And I was like, this is just so that you're like, so I'm not throwing things in there that aren't there. Um, and he read it and was like, and this was, and one of the emails was pretty long, um, about how, I mean, it was up and down of like, I don't deserve you. And you're this cheerleader. And at the same time, I'm so dissatisfied sexually that my life isn't worth living. And I just, I, I know you, you don't want to, you don't want to do oral sex, but like I need it. And you're the only one that can give it to me. And I mean, it was just this up and down, up and down, like super dysfunctional letter. And there was a lot in there. It was like three pages. Mm. and, um, if you printed it out. And so, so the counselor read that and then talked to me for just a few minutes. And he was like, so you like, this is, this is abuse. And I was like, that was the first time anybody had said that. And he ended up spending three and a half hours with me and giving me his private cell phone number and was like, you know, if anything happens over the weekend, you know, he's like, try to pack a go bag. He's going to come see me on Tuesday. If he, if he leaves repentant, that's when." This, but I suspect he's going to leave angry. And, um, if he's angry, he's not going to come, you know, he's not going to take it out on me. He's going to come home and take it out on you and the kids. Yeah. So you need to go. And I was like, I don't want, like, I fundamentally don't believe in just leaving your husband. And, but I I did tell this counselor, I said, I feel like, like I, like God has shown me just this filth, like this sexual filth all over him. And I like, like a spiritual AIDS, I think is what I called it. And I was like, I just, I don't want to have sex with him, but I'm married to him and I can't know. Um, and he would take it on the kids if I tried. And so he said, you know, it, just tell him that you're going to pray and fast from sex for your marriage, just for a short while you're going to pray and fast. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try that, but I don't know how to go. And so So I did, and I had not been able to pack a go bag because he was, I think because I had become sort of less codependent, he was um, just jumping in. Like he would go to work instead of like really late at night, he would randomly come in in the middle of the day, like through a back door and where's mommy, what's she doing? And um, he would park his truck, you know, we had a big open window, so he would park his truck across the street so he could like see everything we were doing in the middle of the day. So like, I was never able to actually pack a go bag. And so when I tried, and then when I tried to tell him, like, I was going to pray and fast from sex, he was like, no, write it down, write it down. And he wouldn't, it's like, everything has to be in writing. So he sent me an email to help sex. And he was like, from now on, everything in our marriage has to be in writing, and I like, because, you know, you need proof that I'm being in this ungodly way for something. And so, um, and he's he's outright told me like, you cannot, we have to agree and you cannot pass some sex. And and so then, um, uh, yeah, I hadn't been able to pack a go bag. And so Sunday morning, um, I had told him that Saturday night and then I was basically staying up on the phone with a friend until about four in the morning, three, four in the morning. Um, the friend that I went and stayed with because I didn't want him to do anything to my, me and my sleep. But I also remember saying like, I don't want to sleep on the couch and then like not hear him go into a kid's room. You know, like I just felt like it was just so toxic. And then it came to a point where I felt like the, the most loving thing I could do for him, his being, his help me was to leave. Like, and I, but God actually kept me just blind enough to take the next step, you know, because Um, so, so I felt like, you know, if I, if I left, that was the best way to help him because seeing wasn't going to help him and maybe he would snap out of it and maybe he would realize how much he'd been hurting us and, and seek the help that I knew God would want for him to get, you know? And so, um, so, so Sunday morning, he tried to force himself on me and I, I did get away. And, um, but I was going on about three and a half hours of sleep every single night. Um, and, and I did get away, which was a first. And, um, and then I, you know, I told him like, if you, if you try anything, I'm going to call the police. Like I was getting really strong and that actually was a threat to him. So then it was like, you know, I'm in the shower and he'd unlock the bathroom door and just stand there staring at me. Like I own you, like I own you. And he'd take the towels down so you could see everything. And I was like, like, I was just always on display for him. And so so that Sunday was, it was the only time like he hadn't been going to church and he always wanted to change us, you know, have us change churches. So he wanted us to go to a a Baptist church. And the counselor was like, he's always changing churches, have him go for six months. If he still likes it, then go, but to be living across the country from your friends and family, and then uprooted from the only church that you've connected with again and again. Um, and so and that's I knew a tactic
0: that- obviously to keep you guys from from anyone from knowing you too well
1: yeah. yeah yeah and i knew that would not have gone over well like i could never have said you go for six months but what i could do was say hey we have friends that are leaving i think the kids and i would really like to go say goodbye can you go check out this church you know and i could kind of buy us a little bit of time of him trying the church out um and so so he hadn't been going to church. And if he did, he just sat out in the lobby and like read his RV theme junior or something. And then, um, and, but he did go to this, this Baptist church and try it out. And then the kids and I got to go to our church one last time. And that was the only time that I had, um, that I knew I would have a few minutes to grab it Mm. allowed to get in the car without him freaking out. And so uh, even going up to my friend's house, I kid you not, I'm like, Maybe I should stay, maybe I should go back, maybe I should just drop my stuff off. I mean, I went to her house mm. and I'm like, I hadn't slept. And she she was like, Do you want to just lay down and pray? Because I remember thinking no one's gonna believe me. Like that he's viewed as like this great husband. No one's gonna believe me. And mm. maybe I should Go back and like let him, not let him, but go back and be in the position where he tries to rape me and tries to kill me, and then I just I get really strong and I actually like report it this time, you know. And and then I was like, but my youngest wasn't even one; she was ten months. I'm like, I don't want to leave her, and I don't want her to be there. Like if I get killed, and I mean the things that were going through my head were so crazy. And so she was like, just go lay down and pray. And I did, and I lay down and closed my eyes. And I was praying and I remember feeling coming down the stairs and I, and I was feeling like God was just saying, like there was this peace for staying. and I was like, okay, I don't think anyone's going to believe me, but I don't want to die. And I don't want my kids to lose their mom. So I need to stay. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that's going to look, but I, I just, I think I need to trust the Lord to help me navigate this. Because if I go back, like, I might be killed. And then my baby would be in the room and my kids would be orphaned and he'd be the, you know, it just, so, so I ended up staying, and she was very gracious. And then like I said, four days later, I found out I was pregnant with um, my seventh. And, and I was told to abort her because she was conceived in rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember also just like holding my belly and feeling like, okay, I did have to wrestle through her conception and through like the evilness of all of the whole experience. But like separating out, like she is not that, she is not how she was conceived. And like when they were talking about killing her, I was like, but she didn't rate me. Like in in a sense, like we went through this together. Like it's not her fault that her Mm -hmm. dad and and she literally had no part in it. If anything, like we were both victims together. And then Mm -hmm. um, I was actually offered to abort so many times. I was eight centimeters dilated and offered to abort in that moment, you know? Like it was like it's still not too late in your circumstances, sweetie, and they thought they were coming from this place of compassion and empathy and I just remember thinking like okay, so her name means gift from god <laughs> and she is mm. yes, and like when I would um you know, after after she was born I and mean, it was crazy, he was actually a very good birth partner because he looked good, right? And um so it was a little bit interesting having like, but it was also empowering to like give birth without him. And, and then there was this weird, like grief and almost like missing the person who'd been the closest adult in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, with like guilt for feeling that way, because Mm -hmm. how could I miss someone who would hurt my kids and me that bad? And not that I missed him, but like, it just wasn't what I wanted. I really hoped that he would have gotten help. And I remember the day before she was born. I'm sorry. I'm kind of jumping all over (laughs) before she was born. I was really wrestling with it. Um, prayerfully wrestling with it because, um, it was like, you know, I, I prayed for his, like, I watched God send godly men willing to counsel him. Like he had so many doors open. New life ministries is actually a really great place. If anybody is struggling with pornography, Mm -hmm. um, it's really a great place to go. Um, but he, so he went to their workshop. Like he had guys from the church. Like he had every opportunity to like seek help and get healthy. And um, instead, his heart got harder and harder and harder, and more angry at me, and blamed me more. And just when I thought he was going to like turn a corner, he would become more dangerous. And so I was praying, like God, you can speak, and the universe leaps into existence. Why can't you just change this guy's heart? Yeah. And then um, I felt like God was saying that, um, you know, kind of how He rescued. Is people when Pharaoh's heart was heart, heart was hard. That's similar to what how the Lord used this hard heart. And then one thing that I really had to settle was that God won't take away someone's free will. So he's gonna mm-hmm. press into this man's heart and he's gonna open all these opportunities, but he's not gonna take away his free will and make the choice. Yeah. He's not gonna force him to be a godly husband. Um, he's gonna make a way, but he's not gonna force it mm-hmm. um and take away his free will. So So, and it's not God's heart, right? But he, he would not be the honest God that he is if he didn't give us the choice that he promised us.
0: (laughs) So looking back now, I mean, what, what would you, what would you say is the most important for us as, as parents who might not be in, in a situation like you were, but like we were talking about with porn, um, you know, and, and how do you approach this as a mom now of seven, Um, what kind of education are you giving your kids? Like, what, Mm -hmm. what are you telling them? Like, what are the safeguards that you're putting in place? I mean, just from what you have learned.
1: Mm -hmm. So many, um, from the time that they can talk, they know that secrets don't count with mommy, right? Like if you have a secret with a friend, you can always tell it to your mommy. Like that's, or your, you know, that's just, the way it works, and we talk about the difference between a surprise, like we buy a gift for somebody, and we're gonna, they're gonna know, versus keeping a secret. And so, just simple, simple things like that when they're young, age-appropriate things. Um, just, I mean, really, all of the wisdom that we need is in God's Word. You know, at, at modesty and respect, and um, you know, so I teach them to change by themselves. I'm not. Um, I would never allow anybody, like I said, patting the bottom, that kind of thing. I know people think that it's playful, but like you're laying the groundwork. Mm. Um, teaching them to just respect their bodies and respect other people's bodies, guard their hearts and their eyes, but not in a shameful way, like in a because I love you way. in a this is healthy for you. This is to protect you um, kind of way. And if um, Google searches like my... So we—I don't necessarily call it like porn with a, like an eight-year-old, but I would say like you might. Um, there are some bad things online that would hurt your eyes and hurt your heart, and you know that's not cause desire for your life you want. What's good for you, and so um, so sort of protection on on the devices, but also those conversations. Like you should definitely have protection on your devices yeah. for, but the conversations because you can have friends. Um, show mm-hmm. your, you know, and, and that's happened my kids and, and knowing they need to know that we're a safe place to land, like a mm-hmm. soft spot, you know? Yes. So like if they go to the park and friends have shown them porn or tried to show them porn, like we want them to come and tell us that, and not like freak out. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm so proud of you for telling me, you know, mm-hmm. now let's, let's talk this through. And so also, you know, the public school system, like I think, I don't know if it's in private schools, but public schools, their, their sex ed, it sort of inspired, directly inspires kids to search for porn. And I think, mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that parents really need to like rise up and speak out against. I think that if your kids are in public school, we, it's, it's imperative to go to the school and really make sure that there is a program that teaches the dangers of pornography because these kids are looking at porn and they have, They have no way of navigating this. They don't know what to do, what they're seeing, what their body is going through, you know, and think of it like, okay. So like back in the day, like remember, um, growing up, if we had a question about sex or something that came up with like Bill Clinton or whatever, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go Google that because we didn't have it. You would
0: ask your parents,
1: you would ask your parents or you would try Mm -hmm. to find it in a library or you would just wait and figure it out later. And so Maybe you'd ask a friend, but now like when we're raising our kids where everything is via Google and YouTube, then when they hear the word blowjob and they want to know what it is there, where are they going to get? They're going to yeah. go to YouTube and then they're going to see that. So when they go to the sex ed, just one benign example, um, in sex ed is that I think it's that third, second, third grade, they start teaching kids very early. They start teaching kids to masturbate. And then they start talking them about having sexual fantasies. They use the word sexual fantasy. So like, if you're eight years old and you've never heard the word sexual fantasy, your go-to is Google and YouTube and you're going to find porn, you know, and it's not even, Hey, here's somebody having sex, right? It's 90% of pornography is violent against women. Like, right. Like the most benign porn is like spitting on them and, you know, and like hurting. It's not, it's not teaching them healthy sex you know and god needs sex to be good and healthy it's not supposed to be shameful and i do believe that porn is making it shameful and it skews the brain it skews what's normal in the brain um in in huge ways you know and it's highly addictive um and i think kids that are and i and i'll share this with my kids depending on the age always age appropriate and you know your kids best so like yeah talk it's in a way that you feel comfortable and is not going to traumatize them, but is going to protect them. Just pray through that gauge and that age appropriateness. But the average eight-year-old has seen porn. So that I just get that. I, hate I, I know I am so with you on that. And so, and that's why I'm doing this because if we want this to change, if we want abuse, like what I went through to end in my lifetime, which I do, if we want sex trafficking to end and we want the, the future of our children's generation to be anything good, we have to cut this off. Now we have to cut it off with our children. Yeah. You know, it's going to get worse, you right. know, and really, like you said, how you just want more and more and more. Okay. So what is that going to be in 20 years from now? I mean, can you right. even imagine mm-hmm. that already? So, so we have mm-hmm. to cut it the sake of our kids and the sake of our future. And because we, we have, we have to stop this kind of abuse. It doesn't have to happen. The abuse that I went through does not have to happen. If, if enough parents are educated and can protect their kids. So, um, so teaching them. So yes, safeguards, but also really teaching them about pornography. Like my teenagers know that when you look at porn, you're watching someone get raped. They know about sex trafficking. They know, like, if they're going to go to the mall, we talk about traffickers and they will often be women asking you to carry a bag to their car or help them mm. with the child. Like it's, you know, and like
0: you said, I, I think even the first step before educating your kids, which I should have, should have mentioned is educating yourself. Cause you can't teach your kids what you don't yeah. know. And just like you said, your abuse didn't have to happen, but it did because you didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know that your husband was, was watching porn. You didn't know how violent the porn industry was. You just, there was so much you weren't aware of. And had you had that information, you might've recognized it a little Mm -hmm. sooner. You know, you might have started to to go, wait, Oh, that, this is not normal. This is not healthy. This is not a normal marital, uh, sexual intimacy, you know, relationship. Like this is not God's design. And so, Um, you know, and when, when I say get educated, I don't mean go watch porn. I mean, you know, look at one of these ministries, like fight the new drug. Um, there's several out there that, uh, that, that do a great job of educating, presenting, you know, fact-based information, scientific studies, um, you know, research about the brain, all of these things that can arm you with information and facts, and even just help you learn how to talk to your kids about it. Cause it's so This is what I find for me, the thing that deters me the most from those types of conversations is that I don't want to hurt my kids innocence. Like I, I don't want them to know that that's a thing because they, because I know they don't know yet, but they are relatively insulated right now. And I realize that I cannot be with them at all hours of every day. And it's more important to me at the end of the day that they have good information that protects them from much worse things than just a knowledge that something's that something exists. You know, because the knowledge of it, that only you being afraid of your kid knowing it only makes sense if that's the worst thing that can happen. If the worst thing is just knowledge, then yes, I understand why you wouldn't want to tell them, but that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is becoming a victim or Um, you know, engaging themselves and, and not, like you said, like so many kids, just, they don't know what to do with it. They don't understand what they're looking at. They, it's not that they have this like ill intent to, uh, to hurt anyone. They just don't, they don't know. They haven't been given a context for what it is that they're seeing. And, um, and so I think that's just really, really great advice for us to learn and to teach our kids Mm -hmm. age appropriate, of Mm -hmm. course, but um, because we love Mm -hmm. them and because we, we know that we've been entrusted to store them and their minds and hearts. And I mean, there's no one else that is going to have that uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation with your kid than you.
1: Yeah. And teaching things like good picture, bad picture. There's actually a book about there is yes. Yeah. And you know, that's really good and, and like appropriate or inappropriate touch because the other thing that's really confusing for kids is that when they are molested, a lot of times the body reacts in a way that feels good. Like they might actually be around in the moment, usually from someone that they trust and that their parents trust. So like appropriate versus inappropriate. So if our kids are age appropriately educated, like if they know like, hey, we're gonna cover our private parts when we change. And that's, you know, no one should be touching your private parts. And that's what the bathing suit covers. Like we can do it in a way that's gentle. If we have the education and know like, okay, the end goal of a perpetrator, this is you know, perpetrator is much more likely to pursue a child who is not educated in this way. Right. You know, like if we know the end goal, we can modify it in a way that still covers our kids' innocence as much as is appropriate for their age and where they are in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that does. My last question is just um, thinking about from the perspective of a friend, that may you know have 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 someone because we said this isn't our churches this is this is because you guys were in churches you were in you were visiting you know you wanted to visit a a southern baptist church which is like arguably one of the most conservative denominations that still exists and so it's like to think that no 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 that couldn't be at my church is probably foolish and it may not be at your specific church but it could be at the church across the street so thinking about our friends um you know, if someone's listening in there, like, how do I, okay, what if I have a friend that I have a hunch or I have a concern or a worry, or what if someone's told me something is a little off, but they're not sure how do I support them? How do I come alongside them? What can I do? And the perspective Mm -hmm. of being the friend.
1: So the best advice I would have for that friend would be just to ask questions because a lot of times when you're in it, you just, you don't see the forest to the trees. And so gentle questions, right. And then letting her process, like, Um, and it, and it might even just be talking if, if she can be comfortable talking about the sex life, you know, like what are some things that he wants to do that maybe you don't like, or like what, you know, this is in those, those are really hard conversations, like for conservative modest Christians, like that's not our norm, but seeing normal and processing is really important, you know? So like when I when I left, and it did take me getting physically away from him for a little bit to start to realize like, wow, that wasn't normal either. Wow, that wasn't normal either. But it's talking, right? Because, because when you're silenced, when you can only talk to the perpetrator or the person, even if you don't want to call him a perpetrator, the person with a brain that is skewed and damaged from pornography, their gauge of normal is not normal. So what they're going to be telling you is like, you know, something's wrong with you because you don't enjoy sex and what you don't satisfy me. And God, you're the only one I can sleep with, you know? So yeah. if you don't satisfy me, what am I supposed to do? Fall into less than sin, or struggle or have agony. And, you know, so, so allowing her to really verbally process and hear her own words is actually more effective than anything that we could actually tell her or point out. That's a great, that's good advice. And then my other thought I just had, I don't think I asked you how
0: long, ago did you leave?
1: Um, June will be seven years.
0: Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing.
1: Freedom birthday, it's right before the 4th of July. And so we kids and I celebrate our, we call it our freedom birthday.
0: (laughs) Oh, that is so great. Wow. I'm so happy for you guys. Um, And I know that you, I, I heard in one of your Instagram videos that you got a restraining order. Has he tried to contact you since then or?
1: So we, we had a five-year restraining order, which for the first one was the longest that they could do. And then, um, everybody kind of thought, well, maybe he's moved on or whatever. No joke. The night that it would have expired, it didn't expire. They did like an emergency extension, but it was the beginning of shelter in place. So the courts were shut down and we didn't know where he was. He's never paid child support. We didn't know where he was to serve him. And so he didn't know that it was extended, but the court had extended it. So it, a few hours after midnight, he started pursuing me. And I, I actually didn't know to like, look at my email. He was reaching out to friends and family, like nothing had happened. Like he just couldn't wait to be this big happy family again and he'd missed us so much and then it spurred me to look at my old email and sure enough hours after midnight of when it would have expired was like hi honey how are you and the kids I miss you so much and like he just couldn't wait and then um so we just got a lifetime restraining order which is why I feel comfortable speaking out he um I mean I can't ever like share my hey this is where you know this is where I live but um we we have our addresses protected it's sealed, and the dmb and all of that but um but i do feel safe to speak up because he is afraid of being arrested and i think at this point it's very clear that like if he tries to pursue us that's going to (laughs) happen and um yeah even even the court um what he submitted to the court was like over 200 pages of what he called evidence and You know, character letter, character witness letters on his behalf, and one of his friends literally wrote, "Like he is, he is such a loving guy. I'm sure that he'll forgive Stacy and reconcile if she wants to repent." And I was like, "Gosh, you know." So he's cunning and convincing, and and then another character. Actually, this one's really sad. Another character witness letter was something that I just I hope parents can can get this message too because. This woman wrote a letter for him for court when his family, his kids all want a restraining order. Like the kids had their own attorney. So it wasn't even anything I was saying. It was what they were telling their attorney. And that attorney said that in 20 years of serving children, this was the worst case of child abuse she'd ever seen. And so, um, but yet this mom wrote a letter to the court talking about how amazing he is with her 12 year old, outlining how basically how he's grooming them because perpetrators are not going to groom your 12 year old this is your husband yeah so there was a woman that that he so he submitted this to the court this letter from a woman so he's
0: so he's like basically like grooming another family
1: yeah and she wrote a care witness letter on his behalf And when i read it i'm like this is This is outlining grooming, like he's fixing her truck, making sure her rent is always paid, Spends so much time with her 12 year old. They have this incredible bond. She trusts him. The 12 year old loves him. They play together. They have fun together. And I'm like, because we need to understand as parents, perpetrators do not look like monsters, right? Mm -hmm who want to try the real thing. They don't look like monsters. Like there was actually a case of somebody who intentionally became a youth pastor so that he could pursue children because, and he had a porn addiction. Like you can always trace this back to porn, you guys. And it's mm-hmm. so common and men are looking at it in our church and it needs to stop. It needs to not be like, Hey, here's the shame. It needs to be rise yeah. That man talk about it. Be these godly men, right? We all have sins and struggles, but if you hide them, that's when the devil can use it,
0: you know? Absolutely. Right. And you may think that you're, you're somehow like morally superior because you're not doing certain things. But like you said, that's a great way to describe it. If you watch porn, you are watching someone's rape. Yes. That, that is, that is true because it's not, it's not, I mean, maybe it's consensual, but that is, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. I just think that there's a lot, there's a huge disconnect from people who were maybe like me exposed, you know, what, 20 years ago. um, Don't watch it on the regular, but just kind of think, oh, like, oh, it's just sort of like videos of people having sex. Like, no, it's so much worse than you could imagine. And, And I don't know, I feel like that would help people understanding that piece. Like, would probably change how you engage when you think no one's watching. You know, when no one is watching, when there's no one there to um, hold you accountable, which on that note, I forgot to mention that when you mentioned filters, covenant eyes is the one I use with our family. As again. Is that what what do you use?
1: Covenant eyes, I love them. I think that's really great between husband and wife and for mm-hmm. teenagers because it's like a great practice for accountability for mm-hmm. our teenagers. They sort of like get that the conversation of like, I'm choosing to be responsible and I'm choosing to invite accountability because that's just wisdom, right? That's just wise. And then of course, married couples should always have covenant eyes. I think yeah. if you have never looked at porn, it's like putting a seatbelt on in a car. That's how I describe it. Like yeah. has nothing to do with a lack of trust for the driver. It yeah. just has to be being smart because you want to intentionally avoid it. Like we need to be intentional. And then, um, I like bark for the younger kids and, mm-hmm. um, another one, Oh, what is it? It's I'm trying to link on it. I'll have to send I'll, it to you. Yeah, I'll
0: link all of the things we've mentioned, like oh. the books and um, yeah. the uh-huh. accounts, like fight the new drug and any of these yeah. services that, that can be good for families. I'll link that in the show notes.
1: There's another website. I will send it to you if you want to link it because they just started this program that seven to 12 year olds can actually do at home online. And it's just a really great does not rob their innocence, but it just helps them to sort of be safe online. And as far as spurs those conversations with parents.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, that sounds great. I know moms would appreciate that. Man, Well, Stacey, I just appreciate you so much that you are willing to share your story to benefit other people to, you know, share like just what you've learned and also hopefully prevent others from falling into some of the same stuff that you guys experienced. And so glad that your family is in a better place. I mean, praise yeah. God that he brought you out and that even when you didn't fully see how bad it was, he of course did. And he uh, rescued you from that. So yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for that.
1: Um, yeah. and His wow. rescue mission, it was the whole thing. Like there were so many times that things seemed impossible. It was a God-sized the whole yeah. way. Yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. Well, where can people find you online, connect with you if you want them to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, my Instagram is seven kids and me. Um, and then I'm starting a website, which will be sevenkidsandme.com. kids okay. and um, That'll probably be a couple more weeks, weeks in the making, but cool. um, I'll have lots of links and, uh, That's
0: information.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me and thank you for your ministry. I I really love what
0: you do. Yeah, well, same. I'm so glad I connected with you and found you. (laughs) And I'm thankful for um, women like you who are speaking out and just empowering others to take a more proactive approach to this whole topic, because it's not our favorite thing to talk about or think about, but we need to in this day and age, like we really, really need to make sure we're equipping ourselves and our kids. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, <clears throat> the last thing I want to say and just add after that uh, conversation is if you are someone who is in an abusive marriage or an abusive relationship and anything that Stacy said uh, rang true for you and maybe even perhaps helped you identify things that you have experienced as abuse and not just normal behavior – Um, I would strongly encourage you to reach out to an abuse hotline, and I will give you one right now. You can go to thehotline.org for uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and the number to call is 800-799-SAFE, that's 800-799-7233 um and i just wanted to share that in case you know this is a a wake up moment for you personally and you need help uh getting out of whatever situation you're in uh and that's the other reason i wanted to share stacy's story because it is graphic and it is hard to listen to and there are a lot of details that um we all wish were not true but the truth is that 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 is something that people endure and and live through and stacy uh, lived through it and thankfully survived to bring awareness to this and especially the impact that porn had in really turning her husband into um obviously a sex addict and um someone that was really beyond the pale of anything considered, you know, normal sexual behavior. So, um yeah, a bit of a different episode but October was uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Awareness Month and I missed it by a day so sorry about that but um, you know when I realized that I was like I want to air this episode um, as close to that time as possible because perhaps people are looking for resources around that and um, it's a topic that I think is super important for us to understand the gravity of so all right, I hope that you have a great rest of your week and leave us a review if you love listening to Kindled And uh, yeah, if you're in Patreon,
1: I will see you on Friday. Bye, guys.